praise God. He said we planted, planted during the pandemic. <laughs> it was so hard to know whether you was actually preaching good or people were just getting upset about what you're saying. So <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. As, he told, as Aaron said, I'm pastor of City of Refuge Church. Uh, we're a simple young church that's just seeking to call all to Jesus, connect as a greater family, um, live commissioned as kingdom citizens. Um, we'd love to tell you more about the church. We're, like I said, we're young, growing. We could talk about after service. Listen, it's been a long week. I was telling Aaron, uh, he texted me, they, they sent me a message earlier this week, said, what you, pre- what you preaching? I was like, I don't know. And I just kept praying. Um, actually felt I had a big disappointment this past week. Uh, we were in the process of actually talking with the church about adopting, their, adopting this declining church and possibly having our own permanent space and got the news uh, Wednesday that they decided to go another direction. So after three months of talking with them, it was like just kind of a punch in the gut. And I found myself saying, Lord, where are you? What is this? So as I've been praying and saying, what am I going to preach this week? This, I felt, was the appropriate text. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn to Jonah chapter 2. Jonah chapter 2. And if you wouldn't mind, uh, just to make me feel more at home, would you please stand to your feet for the reading of God's word? Jonah chapter 2. Jonah chapter 2. I'm glad somebody said Jonah John. Thank you. <laughs> All right. I'll be reading from the CSB this morning. So let me read for us in our to our hearing. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out for help from deep inside Sheol. You heard my voice. When you threw me into the depths, into the heart of the sea, the current overcame me. All your breakers and your billows swallowed me. And I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. The water engulfed me up to the neck. The watery depths overcame me. A seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundation of the mountains. The earth gate shut behind me forever. And then you raised my life from the pit. Lord, my God. As my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you to your holy temple. Those who cherish worthless idols abandon their faithful love, but as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited me onto dry land. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray for us. Father, we cry out this morning, we need you. For life, circumstances, seasons of life, and the pressures will hit, but yet you continue to show that you are faithful. So Lord, I pray this morning that we will be reminded of your faithfulness, that we would lift up our eyes towards your glory and be reminded that you are the God of salvation that never abandons your people. 
I pray this morning that you would hide me behind the throne of your grace, that you would speak to your people from on high, that you would speak through me and also speak to me, and that we would be reminded of the God of salvation who is good and faithful in all seasons of life. So, Lord, illuminate your text today and reveal your ways today. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may have your seat. You may have your seat. Our sermon today is called Prayer Under Pressure. Prayer Under Pressure. So I don't see these very often anymore, but when I was a kid, uh, my grandmother had these big pecan trees in her backyard. And if you're from the south, it's pecans. If you're from the north, you're wrong. But (laughs) pecan trees. And my grandma, she loved pecans. I never was a fan of them, but she loved pecans, and I would love to go gather them up to give it to her, and break them open to give to her. And there was this very, this little trick to uh, get the pecan open. You would take two pecans. Now, if you didn't have, if you had a little pecan breaker, you could use that. But I like to take two pecans and just squeeze them together until they snapped. See, the pressure applied to the pecans will reveal what's on the inside. Now, there was times when we would find pecans that looked good on the outside, but when you put pressure on them, they were completely empty on the inside. Family, I think this is a great illustration for our lives some days. That pressure comes. But see, pressure doesn't come to crush or destroy us, but to reveal to us what is on the inside. And today in our text, we are going to see this prophet, what happens when pressure comes upon him. Now, this prophet, Jonah, is an is a interesting prophet. It's kind of a book of irony as a whole. Number one, when we think about prophets, we think they are the good guys. But we see all throughout the book of Jonah that he's actually a pretty terrible prophet. He's disobedient. The Lord say, go one way. He goes the other way. Somebody say, cry out to God. He says, I ain't talking to him. Jonah seemed to be a book of irony. But Jonah also seems to be how we are often. Disobedient. Falling into all kinds of sins and mess. But sooner or later, finding our place in a place, uh, finding ourselves in a place where we feel pressure and crushed on both sides. And this is where we find Jonah today. After, in the first chapter, we are introduced to him and God calls out to him and say, go to Nineveh and preach to them that their wickedness has come before me. Jonah says no. Goes the other way. Matter of fact, he goes so far from Nineveh that it's almost like he goes the complete opposite direction to Tarsh. It's almost 300 miles away. Nineveh's up north, he went south. And we see this descent all throughout the first chapter. When God calls to Jonah, God, Jonah's response is, no, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go down to Tarsh. I'm going to buy a ticket to get on this boat and I'm going to go down into the bellows of, the, of a ship. And as he is going down and descending down, it's almost this illustration of him trying to get further and further away from the grace of God. 
praise God no matter how far we run from him, his grace will never end pursuing us. And Jonah goes to the bellow of the, the belly of this ship and God throws a storm to get his attention. The waves of life come and knock the ship back and forth. The captain in verse one, in verse six in chapter one runs down and said, wake up, why are you asleep? Cry out to your God and maybe he will respond. Jonah refused. All these other shipmates, they're crying out to their gods. They're trying to throw offerings and yet... None of their gods, their idols will respond. But finally, when Jonah admits, it's me, it's me, I'm the problem, it's me, in the famous words of Taylor Swift. He said, what must we do? He says, throw me over, thinking that if I can just even die, I can get away from God. These shipmates were even more faithful than Jonah. Yet we see God being faithful to Jonah, even in Jonah's unfaithfulness. And we find ourselves in chapter 2. Jonah prayed to the Lord, of his, the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out from, the, I cried out from help from deep inside Sheol, and you heard my voice. When Jonah was cast over the ship, God sent providentially a large fish. Now, we don't know what kind of fish it is. We don't know if it was a whale or a shark. We just know God providentially sent a way of rescue, despite Jonah's foolishness. And when Jonah was at pit, at the bottom of the pit, hit the bottom of the ocean, finally pressed, the pressure got too great and he cried out. Family, this starts off by teaching us when the pressures of life hit, our proper response is prayer. Why would we turn anywhere else when pressure hits? Sadly, when pressure hits, we think to look inwardly. We think to look, how can we take control? But God allows the pressures of life to hit so that we can see we're not in control. We don't have it all together. Now, some of you might be saying, well, wait a minute. When pressure hit my life, it's not me trying to take control. It's just circumstances. God also allows these circumstances to hit your life, not because he hates you, but because he's trying to reveal something in you, and he's trying to build up a faith within you. Jonah cried out and cried in the right direction to the holy and wonderful God. Family, when life hits you, where do you cry out? Do you cry out? Do you look to your hands and as your strength to build you, to pull you out of these pressures? Do you look to your means to pull you out of these pressures? When your kids act up, where do you run? Do you try to just hold them in place and say, act right? When your job seems to be stressing you out, where do you run? Do you just say, I'm just going to find a better job? Why don't you turn to the Lord? 
The psalmist writes in Psalm 18, he says, I call to the Lord in my distress, and I cry to my God for help from his holy temple. He heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. It's this beautiful picture that when we cry out here on earth to God that is in heaven, he bends low and sets his ear close to us. The Lord hears our cries. That means no matter whether you have made mistakes, whether someone else has made mistakes, no matter what has happened, the Lord hears our cries. Why won't you cry to him? It's because we're proud. It's because we think we can do it. It's because we hold on to maybe the Mormon's belief that says, you know, God's faithful once we are unfaithful, once we run out of faith, once we've done all that we can do. Here's the problem. We can always find more to do. But maybe our first response should not be, what can I do? But let me run to the God who hears me. Family, do you cry out of desperation towards this holy God who hears you? who promises he would never forsake you nor leave you or turn you away, do you cry out to him or do you take the strength in your own hands? I beckon you today, cry out. Run to this God whose hands are wide open saying, come to me, all who are weary, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, I want to warn you, there is a reality to when you finally commit to cry out to the Lord, that once you cry out to the Lord, he will invertibly, he will turn your cries upon yourself and expose the posture of your heart. Let's look at Jonah's prayer and the irony of his prayer. Out of everything he's done, he says, when you threw me into the depths, into the heart of the sea, And the current overcame me. All your breakers and your billows swept over me. And I said, and I said, I have been banished from your sight. Jonah was like, you did this, God. Why did you allow these bad things to happen to me? Not taking in account what he actually did, how he ran from God. You see, prayer exposes the posture of our heart. It it exposes whether we feel self-righteous and we feel like we are in the right before God. This is actually what makes it scary often, often for us to pray. Because we say if we turn to the Lord, sooner or later the Lord is going to turn our prayers and put a mirror in our face and say, look at you. Me and my wife, we have this funny conversation about any time we're mad at each other. Whenever we go to pray to the Lord about the other, all of a sudden the Lord starts talking to us about us. It's like, wait a minute, Jesus, I didn't come to you about me. I came to about her. Get this woman right. <laughs> I feel like some people don't pray that prayer before. Um, <laughs> but here's the beauty. Is the reason he exposes us is because he is trying to turn us holy. He is trying to make us look more like himself. See, prayer is an exposing posture because to pray means we must submit and surrender. But the only way we can submit and surrender is we come to him honestly in all desperate moments. And even if we don't come honestly, if we come enough, he'll start to expose us. 
We can even learn from the, the parable in Luke chapter 18, verse 11 through 14, about this two that went down to the temple, one feeling self-righteous, the other feeling unworthy. This Pharisee who went and says, God, I am this great. Look at me. I'm not like this tax collector. Yet the tax collector who came broken and humbly before the Lord, when he came broken and humble and says, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus says, two went down, one came out redeemed. The reason why is because the posture of his heart in his prayer. I do believe if the Pharisee had continued to go down to the temple over and over and continue to pray and seek the Lord, truly seek the Lord, the Lord is sure to be found. And this is what's happening with Jonah. Even though his prayer at this moment, verses 3 through 6, it starts off showing this self-righteousness, but even a turn is starting to happen. He says, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. Meaning, I know you will lift my head again. The water engulfed me up to the neck. The water depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundation of the mountains, and the earth gate shut behind me. See, family, his prayer at this moment, even though he felt self-righteous, started to become a prayer of desperation with hope. Roxanne, Rosemary Nixon, in her commentary, The Message of Jonah, she said his circumstance, circumstances would surely justify the self-centered evident throughout this verse. To this extent, there is a realism about the prayer. Many of us, when caught in, various, in difficult circumstances, may find we have little thought to give to God. Instead, our overriding concern is to find help and a way out of all that causes us distress. Ultimately, we may be driven to prayer as a last resort, and like Jonah, we may promise to praise God when he rescues us. Whether for Jonah or ourselves, the great wonder of this kind of prayer is that our Lord and his great love towards us still condescends to deliver us out of our frequently self-inflicted mess. What she's saying is even though Jonah's heart might have been in the wrong posture when he went to pray, God was still faithful to meet him there and deliver him. And he is the same God who will meet us even though he will expose our the posture of our heart over time. Family, what keeps you from crying out to God? What, what keeps you from searching for this faithful God under all the pressures of life? Again, is it your pride? Is it you want to be in control? You feel strong enough to figure it out on your own? Or is it that you don't believe that he can truly deliver? I think a prayer all of us much pray is the same prayer that David wrote in the Psalms when he says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there is any offensive way in me. Lead me in the everlasting way. We must all 
Pray this prayer because we cannot, we can self-deceive and not know the ways of our heart. But if we pray this prayer, God will expose our heart and he will lead us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Will you cry out to him? The God that cares and sees you. Will you cry out to the God who says, I will never leave you nor forsake you? Will you cry out to the God that says, I know things look bad right now, but I am faithful. This is something I've been learning this week. Because I'll be honest, my first thought when disappointment hit is not to cry out to God. I'm like, well, I just hammer through it. I'll get through it. And it's often because I wrestle with, is God really good? How could you set me up this way to expose this? And this is God exposing me, saying, where has your trust lied all this time? Is it in you? Is it in your plans or do you trust me? Family, where has your plans lied all this time? Is it in the faithful God or do you trust your own hands? We all must wrestle with this reality. We all must ask this question, but praise God, as we're asking these questions, we should know that our prayers ultimately will point us to the Lord of salvation. Look at verses six through nine with me. He says, then you raise my life from the pit, six, nine B, I mean, six B, excuse me, the latter part of six. Then you raise my life from the pit, Lord, my God, As my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you, to your holy temple, to those who cherish worthless idols. They abandon their faithful love. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Jonah, even though he was arrogant, even though he was self-righteous, he realized that salvation at the end of the day is not his for the taking, but it's the Lord who gives. And this is what we can remember. Even though we may wrestle, even though in the pressures of life we might want to run away from the God, when we remember him, we can look to him as the Lord of salvation. This is what our prayer should do. It should be something that we first run to under pressure. It should expose us, but ultimately it should point us to the one who can truly save us. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon once says that true prayer is trading our hearts with the heart of God. Meaning when we truly lift our heart before God and say, God, I'm desperate. I need you. He says, I have you. I'm with you. I care for you. And there's nothing you can do but trust me. Family, in your prayers, do you believe that the Lord will save you? Do you believe the Lord will care for you? Now, I want you to know, it's not your prayers that save. It's not your prayers that make these things happen, but it's the one who prayed on our behalf first and foremost. You see, we have a Savior who, in the midst of pressure, his first response was prayer. On the, night before Jesus was, on the night before Jesus was crucified, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, meaning the Garden of Pressing. 
And he cried out, Abba, Father, my God, my Father, good Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me, yet, nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. You see, the reason we can cry out when we feel pressed and broken and overwhelmed is because we have a Savior who understands what it means to cry out when he felt pressed and broken and overwhelmed, yet he didn't just feel pressed, but he was pressed for our pressing. The same one who cried out first and foremost was willing to take this cup of wrath so that now in all of our pressing, and we're not destroyed, but we're found faithful. And not only was he pressed that night and prayed that night, but now, even now, for all those who believe and trust in him, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, continuously praying on our behalf, even when we don't have the words to say, even when we're frustrated, and if our hope is in him, he is interceding on our behalf and praying continuously. And this is why we can trust that God hears our prayers. Because even when you refuse to pray, if you are his, he is hearing prayers on your behalf. (laughs) The father is literally listening to the son speak to him about us every day saying, that's my child. I know they are acting foolish now, but I will bring them to you in the end. I know they don't look like it now, but they will be full of glory in the end. And we can trust that his prayers are yes and amen because he said so. And not only did he say so, but ultimately the same one who intercedes on our behalf, the reason we know the check cleared is because he came and lived perfectly unlike us. He died what we, he took the death that we deserve, was put on the cross that we deserve to be on, took the grave that we deserve to be in, and he did all these things so that all of our sins, all of the pressures of life, everything that's been done to us, everything we have done will be placed on him him and they would be done away with they would be thrown into the sea of forgiveness and now our prayers do not fall on deaf ears but they fall on the ears of our father who hears them over and over again because when we pray it's like he's praying right there and we're he's hearing his voice when he hears our voice he's hearing his voice when we won't even give our voice and he is faithful he is faithful even in the midst of all chaos in the midst of all stress he is faithful And we get to see a picture of his faithfulness here at verse 10. I think verse 10 is a funny verse for me. It says, the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited him onto dry land. Now that was a dirty, stinky thing to look at. You got to think about it. He just got came out of the fish belly. But it's a great reminder that despite what Jonah might have looked like he went through, despite what he might have smelt like, there was a work that was taking place on the inside that looked better than what was on the outside. 
despite what you are now going through, what the pressures of life are doing to you, yes, you may be cracked, but you are not destroyed. Yes, you may be pressed on every side, but you are not broken. Yes, it might not look good on the outside, but he is working out a perfect weight of glory on the inside that one day will be presented back to himself as a great treasure. I think this is why Jonah is so funny to me, because I often, like I said, I'm, I'm like Jonah. I'm not often obedient, yet God still pursues me. And I think you're like Jonah also. You're not often obedient, but God perceives you. And you're not often looking good on the outside, but on the inside, he is working something good in you. So we should hold on to this promise that Paul has given us, that comes from our Savior. Who is the one who is condemned? Who is the one who condemns? You see, Jesus Christ is the one who died. But even more, he has been raised, and he is also at the right hand of God, and he intercedes for us. Even now, because things don't look good, who can separate us from a holy God? Even now, when things don't go the way we want it to go, who can take us away out of the hands of a holy God? Even now, in all circumstances of life, we have a holy God who is making us holy through the pressing, through the pressures. And we have a Savior who is speaking to God on our behalf. So, Father, uh, so family, where do you turn when pressure hits? Are you like the pecan that when pressure hits, you would be found with a beautiful nut of, jewel, a nut of gold on the inside? A delectable gold nugget on the inside, or will you be found empty? Here's the reality. Pressure will hit all of us, whether we are believers or not. But here is the promise for the believer the pressures we face now is as bad as it gets. Whether death comes now, this is as bad as it gets. Whether sickness comes now, this is as bad as it gets. Whether disappointment comes now, this is as bad as it gets. We have glory on the other side. But for those who don't believe, this is as good as it gets. Pressure will hit. Sickness will come. Death will come. This is as good as it gets for you. Will you trust the one who was first pressed for you, broken on your behalf, slain on your behalf, so that you can have his righteousness imputed on you? Will you repent and turn to him today, knowing that in all life circumstances, your cries and your prayers are heard because of the one who came first for you? Or will you continue to do like I foolishly do sometimes? Try to be strong for myself. Try to control things myself. And often find myself in the pits, crying out for help at the end of the day. You can come to him today, cry out to him today, and he is faithful to deliver you today. So where will you turn? Will you pray with me? Father, 
pray today that we would put our hope in you. For you have sent your son to be pressed for us, to be crushed for us so that we can be healed in you and made holy before you. I pray today if there is those who are feeling the pressures of life right now, that they would know that you would hear them if they would just cry out to you. That they can trust you today and be made whole today. I pray that they will respond and cry out and call you faithful. For those who may not know you yet, but yet feel the pressures, I pray today that this is a cry for them to come and find rest in you. Trusting in the perfect work that your son has done on their behalf so that they can be made whole in you and made holy before you. I pray today that your word will bubble up and build in us a faith that will stand the test of time and stand the pressures of this world. And that we would leave this place trusting more and more in you, knowing that you've been low and turn your ear towards us. So, Lord, as we sing now, I pray that we cry out with holy hands lifted up, our heart raised before you, and we will cry out as though we are saying, hear us now in the pressures of life. Lift all these things up to you in your son's name. Amen.